Well, if you're a dog person, you fully understand what they mean in our daily lives and how incredible they are and in terms of their abilities, instincts, and companionship. Well, today on Colorado Outdoors, we're talking about canines using their incredible talents to assist Colorado Parks and Wildlife officers in the field with a variety of duties. It's the CPW Canine Pilot Program, where in the dog days of summer, these pups can be the difference makers in the field for the wildlife officers. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GOCO invests a portion of Colorado lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GOCO has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollars support. Well, joining us now on Colorado Outdoors is Brock McCardle. He's the wildlife officer for the Red Feather Lake District, and we're talking CPW Wildlife Canine Program. Brock, welcome. Uh, it's a fascinating program. G give our listeners a little bit of background on what this uh, program is all about. Yeah, sure. So we have the Wildlife Canine Program with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, we started it as a five-year pilot program uh, to test out three different type of canines, um, just to see how they can aid wildlife officers in, in um, accomplishing our work duties. All right, so you've got three types of dogs in the program. Size a Dutch Shepherd. you got Cash, which is uh, your dog, is a Black Lab, and then Samson's a Malinois. Tell us a little bit about the, the three breeds and what you're learning about the three breed, breeds over the last uh, four years. Yeah, sure. So Canine Sai is a Dutch Shepherd, um, and Canine Samson's a Malinois. Both those dogs are... If you were just looking uh, on the street, walking, and weren't real versed on, on dogs, you'd think they were a type of German Shepherd. Um, they're slightly smaller than the German Shepherd, and um, uh, they, a lot of police agencies and, and working dog groups use those kind of dogs to do a variety of tasks. Um, uh, Canine Sai was donated to us by the Safari Club International, and um, Canine Samson um, actually came from um, a breeder out of state, and we actually got him through funds from the Ben Roethlisberger Foundation okay. uh, that donates uh, to canine programs. Uh, the third dog, Canine Cash, is a black lab that was uh, donated to our program by Bear Point Kennels, which raises uh, uh, hunting uh, labs out of the Colorado Springs, Larkspur area. Okay. Um, and I am the handler of Cash, as I mentioned, and um, he's five years old. He just turned five here uh, about a week ago. Okay. Now, when it comes to having uh, that, that dog that you're the handler for, are, are you guys together every single day? What, what, is, what is kind of the makeup of, of your involvement with Canine Cash? Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, when I say handler, you know, we, we are partners. Uh, we work together.
I go on vacation, he's with me as well. Okay. Um, I take care of him, and he takes care of me. Um, when we're out working, we may be working a wildlife situation where we're uh, trying to find illegal wildlife parts, uh, which is what these dogs look for mainly. Um, maybe it's a poaching investigation or whatnot. And um, as a handler, I kind of guide him on where I want him to search with his nose. Okay. So I, I like to say I'm the brains of the operation. He's the nose of the operation. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Being a big dog guy myself, it's got to be awful nice going to work every day with uh, with your canine partner. However, at lunchtime, you're the one that's always got to pick the tab up, I'd imagine. Yes, I am. Yeah, I have to pick the tab up, and I have to pick other things up as well. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, well, tell us within the program, kind of, and you touched on it briefly there, but but the duties of the dogs, what are they being used for? How do they, uh, day in and day out, what do what their jobs look like? Yeah, so all three dogs are trained to detect the presence of wildlife, um, kind of like a drug dog would be trained to detect illegal drugs. And uh, these dogs are trained to detect uh, not illegal drugs, but illegal wildlife or the presence of wildlife, wildlife parts. So it could be deer, elk, moose, things like that. Um, so they look for potential evidence as well. We may be having them out um, on a crime scene where we've had a, a poaching investigation and and we're looking for something that was maybe left behind by the, the perpetrators. It could be a handgun, it could be a knife, it could be anything like that. They can find those kind of articles out there in the environment. And then we also use them to find people as well. Um, maybe we've got a lost hiker. Uh, maybe we've got somebody that ran from us, uh, maybe a want a fugitive and so forth, so they can find those people as well. Um, and But they do all these things by using their unique ability, and that is their sense of smell. Hmm. You know, something like this, knowing how people react to dogs, a program like this has got to be great educational outreach because, you know, everybody loves a dog, right? You know, you're right. Um, we just had um, some social media postings of Canine Cash's birthday, and he got over, I think, 1,000 comments or likes um, <laughs> on that. And, um, you know, we do a lot of educational programs and outreach with the canines. They help us um, – provide a median, a fun median to get out into various groups to discuss wildlife, wildlife issues and wildlife management and so forth and parks and wildlife's uh, goal of, of managing wildlife uh, because these dogs are a unique topic and people are interested in dogs in general and because of that we can kind of bring in our information uh, along the wildlife side of things as well. We do a lot of different programs um, year, year wide. Um, could be something I'm talking to a school group or maybe we're going to uh, a big convention, or it could be one-on-one with a small group as well. You know, Brock, I'm just sitting here thinking while you're talking about, you, you'd mentioned these dogs are, are, are trained, you know, for, for the animal and species sense out there, and I'm thinking about checkpoints and those kind of situations when vehicles with trailers come through and there's got to be some searching going on. Without this kind of program, uh, a guy like you is going through someone's trailer where a dog's going to pick up on a scent if there's some illegal transportation of, of wildlife going on immediately, aren't they? That, that's correct. I mean, we, we've used the dogs for wildlife checkpoints in the past, and and what we do is we'll walk the dog around the vehicle or trailer, and if they indicate the presence of wildlife, um, which my dog will actually just stop and stare at an area where the wildlife smell is, so it could be the group bumper, for example, yeah. uh, then that gives us indication that, hey, there's presence of wildlife on here. If they walk around and they don't do anything, the dog does not indicate, and it's uh, something that we can get the hunter on their way quickly without even manipulating or, or asking to look into their vehicle. Well, what's the training process like, both for you as the handler and then for the dog once, once you uh, get the canine? Uh, so 
So that's a very good question. I mean, the training process is is pretty in depth. Initially, we have uh, two to three months of training of the dog itself to learn the different wildlife specific odors that it's supposed to be trained on. Uh, and it's a reward based system. So if they go out there and uh, smell this piece of deer meat, and immediately we'll give them their reward, which for cash is a tennis ball. So it's a game, you know, oh, it's fun. If I find that uh, smell that I'm trained on, I get my ball. Yeah. Um, so we do that for the first few months, and then we bring the handler in, and the handler learns how to work with the dog and learns to read the dog and recognize what the dog's doing and how to manipulate the, the dog to make sure that the dog is, is searching in areas that we want them to search. So as you're roughly four years into this program, how, how would you gauge at this point, or how does CPW gauge kind of the success of the program? Well, the, the last four years, all the handlers, including myself, have been documenting you know everything we've done, whether it's the law enforcement case we've been working or education or whatnot. Um, so we're compiling all this information, and thus far we've had pretty much nothing but positive feedback from the public uh, and members of, of Parks and Wildlife as well. So at some point here soon, we'll be looking at trying to see where this program is going to go in the future. Our goal is to expand the program, uh, make it more of a statewide program. Right now, we just have the three dogs, but we'd like to expand that more uh, statewide and then maybe even bring in some different uses for the dogs. Is there any story over the course of four years that kind of stands out that, that you you really kind of hold to and say that this was a special moment within this program and, and, and why it's important and why you love doing it? Well, I guess for me specifically, uh, I've got a, a – one wildlife case that I that Cash, Cash um, worked for me. Um, it was a, a poaching situation where there were some hunters that were trespassing um, intentionally onto a private ranch and elk hunting. And I was on my way home. We were searching the property. It was a square mile piece of property up in the mountains. And I was on my way back to the four-wheeler ATV because we walked for two, two hours in Cash. And then finally, he, he, as on my way down to the ATV, he decided to go off a different direction. Hmm yards and found this illegal elk that had been killed um, that was from this group. So from that, that led into a bunch of other issues. Uh, we were able to prosecute successfully the, the perpetrators. So that was something that stands out case-wise. Boy, how about that? The instinct and the unbelievable abilities of these dogs, their noses and their instincts. It's, it's really an amazing deal. You know, one of the issues I'd imagine that uh, you guys are looking at moving forward is kind of stable funding for this program. Do I understand it correctly? This has been a, a publicly funded program up to this point. Is that right? Yeah, you're, you're exactly correct. Uh, we've relied pretty much exclusively on public donations you know, to purchase the dogs, uh, to provide the training and equipment as well. Uh, so because of that, we have a GoFundMe account set up um, that allows anybody from the public to donate to our programs for ongoing expenses. But long term, we would like to um, get a stable funding source through the agency or some other entity uh, just so we could have a more reliable funding source as well. Great stuff. Wonderful program. Great to hear about it. Uh, Brock McCardle, we appreciate you joining us in Colorado Outdoors. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Great stuff from Brock McCardle about his partner, Cash. Joining us now in Colorado Outdoors is Phil Gurley, a wildlife officer, and we're here to talk about the dog that he works with as part of the CPW canine pilot program. Uh, Phil, welcome to the program. Tell us a little bit about Cy and uh, what kind of partner you got there when you're out in the field. Yeah, definitely. So uh, canine Cy is a Dutch shepherd, and he's actually what we call a dual-purpose dog. So um, he does a couple of things. He does odor detection, and he's certified in 
nine wildlife odors, and he helps us, you know, with evidence collection and, and you know, uh, our wildlife check stations. But he's also um, certified in handler protection, suspect apprehension, uh, you know, area searches, building searches, article searches. So he can go out there and he can find shell casings and guns and knives and, and stuff like that. But he also protects me when I'm out there in the field, and he always has eyes on me. Um, you know, when I get out of the truck and, you know, then he lays back down when I get in the truck. Hmm. Now, I understand that he's he's the veteran of the program. Is that right? I mean, he's been around for quite a while with the CPW. Yep. Yeah. So we acquired Shy in uh, September of 2015. And that's when we begin our odor detection uh, work. And um, he actually, he, he kind of debuted on our I-70 check station. And, you know, it's it's these Canines are a great benefit to us because historically, you know, when we had these check stations, if we had a vehicle with a trailer come through, uh, you know, covered trailer, box trailer, anything like that, you know, we would have to um, empty that trailer out just to make sure that there's no wildlife parts or pieces in there. Okay. And so that sometimes that took anywhere between a half an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the size of the trailer. And now we have these canines, we can just, you know, bring them in and, and take them around that trailer, take them around the truck. If there's no presence of, you know, wildlife odor, then those guys get to move on. So, you know, uh, uh, we used to take, you know, 30 to thirty minutes to an hour and a half. Now it takes, you know, five or six minutes. Hmm. So, yeah, so he's going on year uh, six. Okay. He's, he's a seven-year-old Dutch Shepherd. Yeah, he's a veteran of the program. You know, I, I know these canines are certified through the National Police Canine Association, so I think many people are familiar with what these dogs are like when we see them, you know, police dogs or, or maybe at TSA, those kind of things. How tough a transition is it then, taking those dogs who have gone through that program and then adapting them to get used to working with, with you folks at CPW out in the wildlife? Um, it's, it's not bad at all. I mean, we, you know, you take these green dogs and you just kind of show them that this is this is our our daily routine, um, so I don't think it's a big transition at all. They kind of learn and understand, you know, when it's time to go to work, when it's time to relax, when it's time to you know play, and you know you could definitely see it. I, I know definitely in cash, um, you could definitely see it in Cy. I haven't worked with Samson much, um, but you know with Cy, as soon as his um, harness goes on, he knows it's time to go to work, hmm. and so I think taking taking dogs like this and, and bring them into the DNR setting, it's a pretty easy transition, and, and you know, they, they do just as well uh, with the DNR. What's it like having a canine partner like that you're working with? I mean, we know if you've got a, another man or woman out there with you, you're dealing with a human being. What's it like in your experience being out there in the field and having a canine partner every day? I, I actually love it, um, you know, and every, every hunter that I run into loves it too. You know, my hunting checks actually got longer because, you know, they see the canine, they see the, you know, markings on the truck or side barks or, you know, we start talking about, you know, what he's used for and what he does. And it seems like the sportsmen that I check have been really receptive to that. And, hmm. you know, we always get it. You know, every every warden should have a canine and and uh, and everything. So it's. It's great. He's not, you know, he's not much for talking, but he's a good listener. So, <laughs> and very loyal, I'd imagine as well. That, that's... <laughs> oh, oh, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding. You know, when you were talking about, like, searching a trailer, I, I, I think we, we can all understand that, what you're looking for. Um, are there areas out in the wild when, when you're out uh, somewhere where you're, he's looking for scents, that kind of thing? Are they used in that regard? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I've used him on a couple of poaching cases. Um, I had one out here um, just southeast of Springs. Uh, and, you know, uh, pronghorn was shot. Uh, you know, the guy called and said, hey, there's a dead pronghorn out here in the field. And one, one of the officers responded by the time he got out there, the pronghorn was gone. So I went the next morning just to take that out, see if I could figure out, you know, where it was killed, you know, uh, if they drug it out of the field or they brought it to the road or, you know, what was going on. And so I ended up taking uh, Cy out there and, and searching along the road. And they just didn't hit any wildlife, um, you know, scent on the road. So I was very curious about that. So I entered the property. He actually, uh, we wind shifted, and he actually air scented the pronghorn about 80 yards. Wow. And what they had done is they had returned. They had picked up the pronghorn. They didn't drag it. They had picked it up, took it behind a very large cactus, took all four quarters, and then pushed the pronghorn in, you know, into the bottom of the cactus. And you, I mean, you, you couldn't see it. Huh. I couldn't see it. Definitely would have missed it if I didn't have him. And so, you know, it's, it's those things that, you know, help us, you know, with time, you know, finding evidence quickly. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going to, uh, well, we'll be going to court, I'm sure, uh, in case that we, he just got utilized on where, um, you know, there was some elk poached and there was one that was wounded and we ended up using him to uh, find that wounded elk. Uh, he was able to, to track it and lead us straight to it. And so, it was, you know, the dog's nose is just, can't compare it to anything else. Oh, yeah. um, it just expedites the process on finding evidence and we've used them. You know, I know Brock and Ian both have used them on finding shell casings and, and, and the such. Well, it's amazing. Yeah, and you're talking about the power of their nose. Any any sportsmen or women out there that hunt over dogs when they're upland hunting, I've got an English setter myself, and anybody who has watched them work understands the power of the nose in those canines. It's an amazing deal. Tell me about some example of, of like, handler protection uh, when you're out. You, you mentioned that earlier. I, I think that would be of interest to the listeners. So, um, you know, every time I exit the vehicle, Cy sits up. He has a 360-degree view around the truck, so he always has eyes on me. Now, my truck is uh, has a door popper installed, so essentially what it is is a hydraulic on that back door, and then I have um, a little uh, release button on my duty belt. So say I go out into the field and I'm, you know, contacting an individual and things start to turn south. Um, you know, canine is part of that uh, use of force continuum, so it's an intermediate weapon. Hmm. And so if somebody comes at me, I can tell them, you know, you stop now, um, you know, I'm a, I'll release the dog, you will get bit, you know, and if somebody decides that they want to cause bodily injury to me, I can essentially hit that door popper button, the door comes open and I'm able to give commands to my dog. Wow. And so, you know, I can tell him to, to heal and then I can tell him, you know, go, you know, fight the guy if he, if I need to, or, you know, maybe just that canine presence is enough to make an individual think twice. And so it may not even get to that point, but 
I have as an intermediate weapon, such as our you know taser or ASP or OC. I'm wondering about the, the, the training that goes into these dogs before they get to CPW. Then once you guys get them, how much training are, do you have individually with, with the dog you're working with? So when, when we get these dogs, they actually have zero training on them. They're completely green. Wow. Um, and that's part of the bonding phase uh, for, for us and the dog. And so, you know, when I got Cy, I did two weeks of bonding with him. So I'd go on multiple walks a day. I would, you know, give them treats, feed them, you know, kind of just hang out with them. And that's just the bonding between me and the dog, understanding one another. And then, you know, with the single-purpose dogs, such as Samson and, and Cash, you're looking at anywhere between four to eight weeks of training, and that's to, you know, start from the ground up. So we start with imprinting the dogs on odors, um, you know, playing the game of finding the odors and just building that up so that, you know, they get a lot of wins. And, um, and so, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense training. So now the dual purpose side, uh, you're looking at anywhere between 8 and 12 weeks of training total because you have a whole other aspect of, of that canine as far as, you know, the bite work and, and, you know, tracking. He does man tracking, you know, find, figuring out the difference between, okay, what does dad want me to find? Does he want me to find human odor or wildlife odor? And I have different commands for that so he understands what we're looking for. Okay. Fascinating. You know, the one thing about this program as well, Phil, is th- this program is run by donations. And that's an enormous part uh, of keeping this thing funded and, and helping you guys out with the program and, and able to utilize it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that's kind of how we started off. And, and between me, Brock, and Ian, Everybody has done a great job on, on promoting this and getting this out there and, and kind of showing what these canines can do um, to help uh, the longevity of the program. And essentially, you know, we would love to add some more canines to CPW, uh, whether it's on a park or whether it's another wildlife officer on the West Slope or, you know, anything like that. And, um, you know, by showing people what these dogs can do and keeping that interest, you know, we can keep that funding going so that we can achieve these goals that we have set for ourselves. You know, one, one thing that I was just thinking about, you know, 20 years ago at CPW, there, there were 135 wildlife officers. In 2021, there are 135 wildlife officers, but we got another one and a half, two million people in the, in the state. That's a lot of extra work for all you men and women out there in the field. And, and I'd imagine these dogs then help make up some of that difference, right? Yeah, most definitely. And, and it's kind of funny that you say that because I've, you know, talking to folks out in the field, um, you know, I, I say the same exact thing <laughs> about the population of Colorado and the number of wildlife officers. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's also good for the non-consumptive users as well because, I mean, we definitely contact a lot of people. And, um, you know, there was a, a nine-year-old girl out with her dad. They're kind of just hiking around, and, you know, they wanted to see the dog, and she was super impressed. And, you know, super excited, and so I, I think it's not only the sports men and women of Colorado, but the non-consumptive users as well that, you know, we can really highlight this stuff. Well, it's great stuff. It's a wonderful program, and we encourage people to donate. Uh, Phil, we appreciate the time and, and you telling us a little bit about your buddy, Cy. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. We're not done yet. 
Well, we now turn our conversation to Ian Petcash. He's a wildlife officer for the Lake George District. Ian, welcome to Colorado Outdoors. You know, it's really interesting talking about this topic of having uh, canine officers, if you will, with CPW. How commonplace this is uh, across the country with, you know, different agencies throughout the nation. It really is becoming kind of a, a, it's not so unique anymore, is it? It's not. When I applied for grants to get canine Samson, about half the states in the U.S., uh, about half the fish and game agencies were using dogs. Wow. So I'm really glad that we've joined the ranks, uh, that we've got this new tool in our toolbox. Tell us about Canine Samson. What breed are we talking about, and, and how is he for as a work partner? Oh, well, he's a great work partner. So Samson is a Belgian Malinois, and he's about to have his fourth birthday. So it's a good reminder. I need to pick up some goodies for him so we can <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> I, I do understand that, uh, and being that this is Broncos country, we'll, uh, we'll forgive the fact that he came from a Steelers organization, but did I hear that correctly? He's, he came from the Ben Roethlisberger Foundation? That's right. Yeah, Denver Broncos fans have a lot of reasons to root against Big Ben, but you know, <laughs> I think we do owe him at least one big thanks for stepping up to the plate and helping us get Samson. What do you use uh, Samson for? What are kind of his main jobs, if you could narrow it down? Yeah, so in Colorado, our wildlife officers are multi-purpose. And so the thought behind the canine pilot program is a multi-purpose dog for a multi-purpose officer. And so my job ranges from law enforcement to education to wildlife management to land use commenting and everything in between. But there's really three main aspects that Samson helps me with, and that's law enforcement, education, and bear conflict management. Okay. Take us through the law enforcement. What, what does that look like on a, on a weekly basis for the two of you? Yeah, so we're certified with the National Police Canine Association on odor detection of wildlife parts. And so that type of search can range from looking for a carcass out in the woods to searching vehicles and buildings. Um, it also comes into play at check stations. So the use of a dog at a check station can make it much more efficient. We can move vehicles through much faster and get folks moved through it. Um, we also use Canine Samson at search warrants, and we've had several circumstances where he's helped locate additional animals that we didn't know about going into the search warrant. Do you have an example of uh, maybe a case that you know you and your partner Samson were working on that, that really kind of stands out in your mind? Yeah, he's helped with a lot of cases, and another type of search he does is article search, and probably the majority of the cases he's helped with involve that. And that's where the dog is looking for other items of evidentiary value, like rifle cartridges, knives, shotgun locks, any type of evidence that the suspect has left in the field. So I guess a, a specific example from this past fall where Samson played a big role is we had uh, two suspects that were poaching antelope in South Park. So in a nutshell, the two suspects were hunting antelope without proper licenses. They were trespassing on several parcels of private property and hunting from a motor vehicle. Mm. One of the suspects was driving the vehicle while the other one was kneeling in the bed of the truck and shooting arrows at antelope from the vehicle while it was parked on the road. And then once the antelope would run off, the group would chase them in the motor vehicle and then fire more arrows at the antelope. Okay. So what? And then at a, at a point, a witness started to observe this, and the witness observed the suspects going out into the field, attempting to find their arrows that they had fired. And even though these guys knew where they had shot from, 
and they knew where the antelope were standing when they shot at it, they were unable to find their own arrow. Hmm. But, but once we got on scene and put canine Samson on the, on the job, he located one of the arrows within a matter of minutes. We were then able to tie that arrow to our suspects once we located them later. That's amazing. The, the instincts of uh, canines really are mind-boggling at times. Okay, be honest with me, but with all your training, all your experience, who's got better natural instincts, you or Samson? You can't fool his nose. It <laughs> blows me away. I mean, it it truly is phenomenal. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, you talk about from an educational standpoint, and I know that that's always a big goal and, and uh, uh, work for CPW, getting out and making sure people understand, uh, you know, wildlife and, and parks and all these different things and what the rules and regulations are. Everybody loves the dog. He's just got to be a huge hit with the public when you take him out, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. He, he has proven to be a fantastic ambassador for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'd say it's it's a part of his job that surprised me the most. You know, when I got him, I, I knew he would be helping me with law enforcement and with bear management. I, I underestimated the benefit he would provide from the education perspective. You know, whether it's, you know, a kid's smile when you give them a canine trading card or, you know, the joy on folks' faces when they see Samson get paid with his reward toy. It's, it's obvious he's the star of the show. Yeah. I, I want to say, I, I've seen some of the dogs that they got, like at the Sportsman's Expo, I think. And so there, there must be a variety of events uh, you take the canines out to. Yeah, everything from the ISE, like you mentioned, the junior wildlife officer classes and high school forensics classes. I mean, everything in between. Another important one that he helps me with is HOA meetings where the topic is minimizing human-bear conflict. And, and to that point, uh, you know, we've talked about it here on the podcast before on Colorado Outdoors, the human-bear conflicts are on the rise. So kind of, kind of take us through that process. How, how does Samson help you in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to dare to say that helping me with bear conflict is probably Samson's favorite part of the job. <laughs> um, like you mentioned, bear conflict is rising. We've got a, a human population that's exploding at the same time that a bear population, at least in many parts of the state, is also increasing, mm -hmm. which is definitely going to lead to increases in conflict. And so the canine hard release is an innovative, non-lethal management tool that I use to help address that. And I'll, I'll, speak for, uh, I'll speak for all the wildlife officers in Colorado when I say the darkest moments in our careers are when we have to put down bears. Sure. And so I went looking for a tool that we could use to help keep bears' behavior from progressing to the point that they become a human safety issue. And so the hard release is a form of hazing that we also call aversive conditioning. And it's basically where we provide the bear with negative stimuli that then get associated with that specific location and whatever that specific detractant was the bear was getting into. So under, under the conditions we're talking about with Samson, is that the fact that Samson will kind of run out and, and, as you said, haze that bear or bark at that bear and kind of scare that bear to make him uncomfortable and say, this isn't a place I want to come back to? Is that the way it works? Exactly. So to throw out an example, um, say a bear's breaking into a barn to get to horse grain. I'll set a trap right there at the barn, and then after the bear goes in the trap, we don't move the bear. Okay. We release it right there at the site of conflict but with me and Samson in tow. And so Samson stays on lead, and I essentially act as a human-sized paperweight. 
hmm. uh, while we chase the bear away from the site of conflict. Have you found that there's a great success rate with, with that type of uh, activity? Absolutely. Yeah, once we started doing the hard releases right there at the site of conflict, we're having great success. And not only are we getting specific aversion to that location, but it also appears we're getting spillover aversion to barking dogs and human yelling, which helps when we do our education efforts and, and teach people to, when they see a bear at their property approaching their home, we teach them, make it, a, make it an uncomfortable place for that bear to be. And so if a bear has already, you know, experienced the negative stimulus of humans yelling at them and dogs chasing them, we're seeing that those bears elsewhere, when they, you know, find the next place that, you know, they smell goodies, when dogs start barking and people start yelling, we're getting really good responses from those same bears. Hmm. I'm wondering, as we're talking about bears here with the canine program, do, do the same principles apply to mountain lion conflicts as well or not? Yeah, and the lion conflict is a little bit different, um, but we have been able to use the dog in a lot of those situations. So I've had several circumstances where lions have killed deer and cached the carcass in people's front yards or under their decks. And in those circumstances, we remove the deer carcass and then use Samson to chase the lion from the property. Mm. So we remove that attractant for the lion, and then we give that lion negative stimulus by chasing it off the property. Well, now that CPW is about, what, just over four years, I guess, into this program, well, what, what's the conclusion at this point? Well, how do you see it moving forward? Well, I think, uh, I think these dogs have proven their benefit. I mean, when you look at how many different functions they serve, it's easy to see how much of an asset they are. I mean, from wildlife management to law enforcement to public relations, we want to just continue to prove how large of a benefit canines can provide the wildlife and the people of the state. Well, great information today. It's a fantastic program. I look forward to seeing what it does in the future. And, Ian, before we let you go here, I want to remind you, you got that birthday coming up. Don't forget to get uh, Samson some treats, will you? Yeah, good reminder. I'll be in the doghouse if I don't. <laughs> Outstanding. Ian, thank you for the time. All right. Thanks, Mark. Our thanks to Phil Gurley, Brock McCardle, and Ian Petcash for sharing their insights, experiences, and stories about their canine partners and the CPW Canine Pilot Program. What an amazing program and asset Cy, Cash, and Samson have been working with the officers out in the field. Remember, for anything and everything pertaining to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, go to our website at cpw.state.co.us. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, be sure to get out and enjoy the great outdoors in our beautiful state of Colorado. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960-plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors.